Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, good morning, everybody. It's great. I don't know about you, I just love this slide. I don't know if you've noticed it, but uh, it's a potter and the hand is both on the outside and on the inside. And our whole series, this term, has been called Formation. In fact, it should be the whole thing of our life, actually. It should be the series of our life about formation. And the hand that is in there is the hand of our Father God, who is shaping Jesus in us. And I pray as we go through this morning, you will find the hand of the Father shaping Jesus in us. This morning, go to the next slide. Uh, We're looking in this series about... Uh, being free from, and I can't say free from the defeat of fear, that would not be what we're saying, but what we're going to speak on this morning is the defeat of fear. And uh, Trevor very helpfully reminded us before worship, the opportunity to fear in this season is very great. It's my prayer and my heart is this morning that as we go through the scriptures, that God would speak to us. And those of you who know that your mind constantly runs with all sorts of thoughts and feelings will come to a place of peace and faith. And that tonight, for some of you, I pray that you will enjoy peaceful sleep. But I want you to know that my heart And my vision this morning is much bigger than that. Because there's something more important than me and you. We live in a nation that is in desperate, desperate trouble. And it has been for many, many years, for many generations. And my heart is this. That you and I, as the Church of Jesus Christ, are the very answer to the desperate need of this nation. In fact, we're going to read a line in one of the verses that says, you are Jesus to the world. And this world needs the arising of a people, the people of God, who are fearless and courageous, who are prepared to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in action and in words to this generation that we live in. So today is beyond yourself. Yes, I would love you to have great sleep. That's a wonderful thing. But actually, we need a nation to be transformed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So let's read together. John chapter uh, 1, John chapter 4. We're going to read the whole chapter. And um, there's some great stuff in here, which I can't comment on as we go. We're going to focus in on the end and just read one verse. Uh, at the end of this. So if you've got a device or you don't, it's up there on the screen. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We'll make comments as we go. There are many false prophets in the world. They aren't all from the church. All right? Many false prophets in the media are selling people lies 
Let's sell their lives hopelessly short and these into bondage. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard, is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and they speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. John then changed track as he does all the way through his letter. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete or perfect among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. Amen. We go to the next slide. It's really important when we talk about fear that we understand what the biblical spectrum for fear is. And it ranges from concern all the way to being terrified. It's hilarious. I've been looking at these slides for over a week, and I didn't put the word worry up there. That's another biblical phrase. In fact, 
It's quite funny that uh, it is probably what most of us sometimes would say. But it's important we understand there's a spectrum of fear. And at the, the right-hand side of that is the word afraid and terrified. And there is a difference between being afraid and being anxious. Fear has a clearly defined object. So the disciples are in a boat. There's an extraordinary storm. It says they're terrified. Do you remember that story? The object of their fear was the storm, the waves and, and the wind. But when it comes to anxiousness or being concerned, it's, it's less defined. And Jesus in Matthew 6 spoke about, do not be anxious. And the thing with anxiety is often the thing we're anxious about in our mind is much bigger than the reality of what we think the situation. And a silly example would be, I love gardening and, and I get a splinter, a, a rose splinter in my finger and I run into Charlie and I go, show me, show me a rose splinter in my hand. I'm going to get tetanus. I'm going to get angry with my hands and forth. Now that's a silly example, but the reality is that's an anxiety that's got out of control. And there's a word which I learned this year reading a book. That's called catastrophization. And you know, some of us, we're laughing, but some of us know that it's a reality. We see our bank balance down. Suddenly, this oh, I'm going to be in the workout. We don't have anymore, do we? The poorhouse. That fear drove my mum. Drove my mum for years and years and years and years. The fear of the workers. So I want to say there is a spectrum. And when I use the word fear, I'm embracing the whole spectrum of. Uh, should I use a microphone? Okay, no? okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the whole spectrum of this. So I want us to together engage with this. So if we could go to the next slide. This is where we're going to focus this morning. I don't want to ignore everything else that we've read, but this is where we're going to focus. So what I'd like us to do is all together read this slowly. Some of the words are in bold and italic, so we can make them emphasised, yeah? But I'd like us to do this together so that our minds and our hearts are and we're not drifting it. Okay, I, I think it's me. We had problems last time we used the microphone as well. I think I got through three last time. So let's just together slowly just read this out, verbalize these words. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
Now, John is writing, and he knows there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So that last sentence isn't there to condemn us. It's to help us understand that when we fear, there is an imperfection or incompleteness in my understanding and revelation and belief in the love of God. That's not to condemn us. Right at the heart of this little verse, verse 18, is this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love is Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to be very practical. We're going to go through some things together. We're not putting our hope in a technique. We're not putting our hope in some kind of method to get rid of fear. But we're putting our hope in a person. And he is perfect love. He is the one who has embraced us. And we have embraced him. So that's really important this morning that we're coming to Jesus. And when we talk about defeat of fear, we're not saying I will never fear, I'll never have fear again in my life. No, that's not true. What we're talking about is how I respond when a fearful situation occurs. Will I live from peace and faith in God, or will I live from trying to resolve these things with myself and allowing my mind to, 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 to run away? Will panic grip me and therefore make foolish decisions, or will I come from peace and make the right decisions? All right, so that's, that's where our heart is, and that's where we're going. I don't know if you noticed when we read this, but it says, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Which is a wonderful truth. Christ in you is greater than he is in the world. So can we go to the next slide? Okay, we're going to look at some key biblical truths because my experience Years, is that most of the mess we get ourselves into is because I have a diminished or an incomplete view of the love of God. And in what we read, John wrote that we come to rely, we know and rely on the love of God. So this is important for fear that I can rely and be certain that God loves me. And that word know has three elements to it, really. It's the word of knowledge, that I have knowledge about the love of God. And that's in my mind and in my head. But we also need the revelation of the Spirit to take what's in my head and put it in my heart. But also it means experience, to experience the love of God. And so there's three things going on here. And at the beginning of, of John's letter, he wrote this in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him, that's Jesus, 
and declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Human love is a very precious thing. And I am sure in this world, we will identify people, perhaps a mum or a dad, perhaps a best friend. I hope if you're married, your spouse is one where we'd say, I experience and receive love. But however great that love is, it's not the same as the love of God. Because in him is no darkness at all. You know, some of our love comes with an agenda, doesn't it? There's an ulterior motive. So I come home on Friday night with a box of chocolates and flowers under my arm, perhaps because of it late in the evening, I'm hoping for a little kiss and a cuddle. You know, it's not come totally with a, with a perfect love. There is no ulterior motive in the love of God. The love of God comes to us always positively, and with purpose, there's no shadow, no darkness in the love of God. His love is utterly pure. Utterly pure. You know, Jesus said this to Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. As Jesus is perfect love, what he was saying the love of God is otherworldly. It's otherworldly stuff. We have a shadow, but he is perfect love. And in fact, Paul writes this when he's praying about us knowing the love of God. He says, the love of God that surpasses knowledge, surpasses understanding. That's extraordinary. The love of God goes beyond uh, our human knowledge. Love is not what God just does. It doesn't just do loving acts. It is the essential essence of who he is. And interestingly, when Moses says to God, show me your glory, what he's really saying there is, God, I just really want to know you. Who are you, God? And God very graciously says, I, I will show you who I am. And he lifts Moses up and puts him into a rock because no man has seen God and lived. If you see God, you've already gone to heaven. All right? And it says this. And he, that is God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands or thousands of generations, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty, guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Now, I don't know if you've been caught up this week in this John Webb telescope stuff. I think it's magnificent. To see what we've seen on the screen, the one that really got me was the star um, nursery, the Stella nursery. Because what it said to me was this, I don't know how many billions of years ago God spoke, but God said, let there be, and stars appeared. And that 
one word, the power of God that says, let it be, is still creating stars. <laughs> That's extraordinary. My, my words will be forgotten by the time you finish your dinner. I trust not, but they probably will be. But eternity, creation remembers and is doing what the word of God says, which is creating stars. <coughs> and so that, that is amazing. But if I was God, and I'm not, hopefully, if someone said, show me your glory, I would be thinking, let's see the stars. He got Abraham to do that, didn't he? He lifted up his head and said, look, look at the stars, Abraham. I go, Lord, I'll show you my power, my majesty. But what does God show? No, I am compassionate God. Full of love, everlasting love. That's who God is. He, in his essence, he is love. It's the nature of who he is. We see some other things I feel is very important we need to talk about that help us understand this love of God. We see the end of God's wrath, punishment and judgment for us who believe. If you're a Christian here this morning, there is no wrath, punishment or judgment for you. That's done. Jesus has taken it. So let's just look at those verses that are on the screen there. In Romans 5 verse 9 it says, Christ died for us, much more therefore, being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. This is a really big issue for Christians, a really big issue. Oh, I'm not afraid of the wrath of God. Do you know, I think every time I've asked Christians this question, men mainly and some women, it shows that somewhere inside we're not so sure. So the question I often ask people when we're dealing with addiction, uh, when we're dealing with habitual sin, is when you're sinning, how do you think God feels about you? And they stop and they think. And I would say 99 times out of 100, they use this one word. I, I, I think you'd be disappointed in some of you are nodding. But the reality is, Jesus, God, is never, ever disappointed in you. His love is not based on, his, on your performance. It's based on what he has done. The wrath of God is thoroughly removed from you. Even when you screw up, when you do the most awful things, and I've had people done some absolutely dreadful things, but they love Jesus, the reality is, He's never disappointed. He never ever raises his eyebrows. Never does it. Wrath is not part of our bag. Very quickly moving on. He was pierced for our transition, transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What did we read? We read about fear being linked to punishment. No, Jesus has taken all that punishment. Dreadful, dreadful. We cannot imagine the scope and scale of the punishment that Jesus has taken for us. And then this 
verse here, verily I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Christians get very confused by this. We think about the day of judgment. And we think God's going to open the books and he's going to go down like Mark Hewitt. His mind's very thick. Mark Hewitt, I saw you looking at that woman the other day. Mark Hewitt, I heard that laugh. Mark, when you were with your mum, you stole money from her. You went into that shop and you stole that Aztec bar off the shelf. And, and somehow before, you're looking at me, what horrible man, how is he preaching? This is how he's preaching. It's because when the book is open to judge, it's not for judgment, it's for rewards of what I have done in my life. Because over the stuff that has happened that isn't good, there is a splurge of something more precious than gold, than uranium, than plutonium. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. When I came to Jesus as an eight-year-old and, and I gave my life to him, he forgave me of all my sins, which were not much probably by the time I was eight. Well, actually, I was a naughty boy. Um, and all my future sins. And when I get there and the book is open, there's going to be a splurge of blood. And it's not going to be pulled out of God's back pocket. There is no fear of judgment. There is no fear in the love of God. And this last verse says, this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Can we go to the next slide? Some of you have translations that say propitiation. And, and what this really means, and we'll read what R.C. Spall says, he says, Jesus' atoning sacrifice brings a change in God's attitude so that he moves from enmity with us for being uh, to being for us. Though through the process of propitiation, that's Christ's eternal sacrifice, we are restored into fellowship and favour with him. God was at enmity with you and you were with him. And Jesus became this atoning sacrifice. That means he was the one who reconciled us and made us one with Christ, with God. It's atoning sacrifice. So Christ in us, as I said last time I spoke, is the greatest wonder that there is. We talk about intimately close. We're not reaching out there for something. We have someone living in here who is God himself. Let's move on very quickly. We have the next slide, thanks David. I just want to quickly just give you a little bit of my story. I have battled with fear, I think, all my life. And anxiety, all right? In July 2016, I had just finished my prayer time, I put my Bible on, my little coffee table, and the inner voice of God said, Mark, why are you anxious? My response was, which is never a good thing, I'm not anxious, God, not at all. 
He said, no, you call it concern. But I'm calling it anxiety. So, Mark, let's start this conversation again. Where are you concerned? And immediately three things came to mind. Something to do with my very elderly mother and my two youngest sons. And so I thought, well, I ought to do something about this. So I thought, I'd get my Bible back off the coffee table, turn to Matthew 6, because that's where the word anxiety is used. And so I'm reading those verses, and I come to this bit, and it's like the Holy Spirit has highlighted, your heavenly Father knows. I don't know what happened in that moment, but something of God landed in me. And it was like being born again, again. And for several months, I lived like in a bubble of peace and joy. Because the revelation came to me. No, though these things weren't incidental, they were really incidental things. My Heavenly Father knows. Wow. So I thought, well, Lord, what am I going to do about this? In this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting or laying all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, the only other time that word casting or laying is used in the Bible is in Luke. And it's when Jesus gets a donkey and they lay their coats on the donkey. And so what we're being invited to do is take off my anxiety, my coat, and I lay it on a beast of burden. And his name is Jesus. Jesus has become for us a beast of burden to carry our anxieties and our worries and our fears. And then more recently, January 2021, I was praying about the situation in America. I don't remember Donald Trump was beginning to say in January, I'm not giving up this office, Joe Biden. And I, I was like, I'm a, not a Republican or a Democrat. It just troubled me. And I was praying about this. And God spoke to me very clearly. He said, you've received an unshakable kingdom. My throne is forever and ever and cannot be shaken. I am not threatened like Joe Biden is at this moment in time. Whoa. Then the sting in the table tail was this Mark, as I am unthreatenable, I want you to grow to become unthreatenable as a man. And this was very significant for me because one of my areas that I struggled with was fear of man being threatened. I know it sounds hard, but often when I'm with people, I don't know what to say. And so sometimes I say too much. Because I'm like, oh, 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 I don't know what to say. And God's been working on that, but I took this very seriously. So I did a lot of study and a lot of praying over recent time. Go to the next slide. And these are the things I've learned. Right? And some of these are horribly shocking, but they are true. First one, when I allow fear into my heart and mind, it reveals that in some way I question the love of God, his promises, and of his commands. 
what John would say, you're not perfected in love. I think this next one's the most frightening for me. That fear gives power or authority and control to the person or the object of my fear. So if it's fear of man, what that means is I act in a way that's not true to me. So, so I empower them over me. That's really not a good thing. That's a shocking thing. Our response to fear is a choice. That might not feel like it at the time, but it is a choice. I think this is also true. There is always a lie we believe that opens the door to fear. And this is true as well. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the decision to believe in who God is and what he said and then move forward. So, just very quickly, how do I grow in God's love? How do I grow in God's love? How do I remove that diminished thing? One of the things I want to say is a very practical thing. For six months, every day I prayed the prayer that's in Ephesians 3. And I asked God that he would strengthen me through his spirit. That I might know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of this love that surpasses all knowledge so that I might be filled up to the fullness of God. And, and I would recommend that we do that because growing in the love of God is an act of the Holy Spirit working in us. As we said, to know God, we need spirit revelation for something to change in our hearts. And the second thing is, actually, this is a battle in our minds. This is a battle for truth over lies. And Paul said this, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind or right thinking. So when he's talking about power here, he's talking about ability. That's, that's the sense of that word in that context. He has given you an ability, because of the love of God, to think rightly. And Paul doesn't leave us hanging. In 2 Corinthians 10, he says this. Oops, I've just lost it. He basically says, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but about powers and principalities and everything that rises itself up as a thought against God. Right? And then he goes on to say, but we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do that? Well, the first thing is, it's important it's Jesus Christ because he is full of truth and grace. So we're coming into that place of truth. So how do I bring every thought captive? So the first thing I do is I ask the Holy Spirit, what is the lie I'm believing? 
And I wait and I, I receive that truth. Oh, that's the line of believing. Then I go and find what is the truth. And then I have to choose to believe that truth and then to act accordingly with that truth. And then what I do is I confess that truth. And when fear worms its way again into my heart over that issue and begins to gnaw at my mind, I go back to the truth and I start to confess that truth. In the newsletter this week, I'm going to give you a tool to help you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can't go through it now. But what we do want to do this morning is to respond. I know it's 12 o'clock and it's fine. But I want to give you a tool so that actually this morning you can respond that you can then take away and do it. I'm going to invite my lovely wife who's going to come and take us through this. Great. Thank you, Mark, and good morning, everyone. Um, so I'm just going to take you through a crafted prayer tool, uh, very practical, uh, something we're actually familiar with because it was last year sometime. I'm sure we all remember this. We're using it at home, aren't we? Yes, we are. There we go. So we're going to combine that, uh, which Pete made available to us. And also, a couple of weeks ago, we had Rachel uh, leading a workshop on how to hear from God. So it's a combination of both tools. Um, I will be praying some lines, and then I invite you to uh, repeat those lines audibly or quietly. And then after each line, to wait for the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. So what does that look like? That might manifest in the form of you seeing a picture, maybe seeing a word, and it might even trigger a memory. So if you guys don't mind, it's been a very practical morning. Um, if you guys would please uh, stand, if you're able to, that would be really helpful. Then uh, if you could create some space around you, so where you're very uh, close to each other, maybe get some space, uh, you're very welcome to come into the aisles. That's because when you are speaking to God, uh, you can re respect the privacy of those around you. So if you uh, don't mind closing your eyes now, that would be really helpful too. This helps you focus on Him. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present amongst us right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the Spirit of truth. You bring revelation you bring healing and you bring freedom and we are expectant of that. So please repeat the following lines after me. Holy Spirit, is there any concern or fear present in my life? And of course, if your answer is yes, you can ask Holy Spirit, what is it? Holy Spirit, when did that concern or fear first present in my life? Holy 
Holy Spirit, what is the lie that I am believing about you? Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And this might be a person, it could be an organization, or it could even be yourself. Holy Spirit, I choose now to forgive. You mentioned their name. For making me feel anxious or fearful. Holy Spirit, I release them or myself. from the harm that has been suffered. I choose now to no longer partner with that lie. In fact, I renounce the lie. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me in exchange? Good. Thank you everyone for being game. Um, I encourage you to hold on to that truth and to walk in the freedom that you have received. I appreciate that for some of us, it's, uh, it can be quite a speedy thing. Um, for, for others, we may need a bit more time to, to ponder and revisit this tool, which Ella will be making available to us in the newsletter. Do remember that God has said that my sheep hear my voice, and we are his children growing every day in our relationship with him. In fact, God has created us to live in communion with him.